bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need the legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, December 27, 2011. I'll start this week's podcast with a brief discussion of where things stand in Congress. Then, in our loan-composing tax credit section, I have a reminder about a chance to comment on HUD's proposed changes to how difficult development areas, or DDAs, are designated. I'll also discuss the National Council of State Housing Agency's recent call to the administration for more rural housing funding, and a look at housing affordability for seasonal workers. In our historic tax credit section, I'll share an update on the historic Boardwalk Hall case and the announcement of a revised programmatic agreement between the Bureau of Land Management, the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, and the National Conference of State Historic Preservation Officers. Then, in our New Market Tax Credit section, I'll discuss testimony presented earlier this month about the New Market's Tax Credit Program's use on tribal land. If you're ready, let's get started. Last week, Congress resolved its standoff over extending the payroll tax cut, agreeing to a two-month extension. They also agreed to an extension of unemployment insurance benefits and the dock fix. Congress paid for the two-month extension through an increase in fees charged by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and also through instructions to evaluate the fees being charged by FHA. This occurred after the Mortgage Bankers Association made a last-ditch plea for lawmakers to find a different way to pay for the extension. The new guarantee fees would raise roughly $38 billion. Mortgage Bankers of America's CEO, David H. Stevens, argued that the guarantee fees are meant to be used to offset the risk inherent in providing mortgages, and any increases in fees should be used for that purpose. Despite these objections, the provision enjoyed strong bipartisan support in the House and the Senate and did remain in the bill. Now, at the time of this recording, Congress was not scheduled to officially reconvene until January 17th. Based on current conditions, it's almost certain that the general business tax expenditures that are scheduled to sunset this month will be allowed to expire, at least temporarily. The two-month extension of payroll tax cuts means another tax bill will likely pass Congress before the end of February which means that there would be a vehicle for extending business tax extenders. As I've described in recent podcasts, Senate Majority Leader Reid and Senate Finance Committee Chairman Max Baucus have both indicated their desire to pursue an extension of several key tax provisions early in the next session. While it's unlikely much will change on this front before the new year, the first session of the 112th Congress has taught us to expect the unexpected. So, I do encourage you to follow me on Twitter for updates on this situation, which I'll send out as conditions warrant. I also want to note that the comment period on the VOCA rule has been extended one month. It's been extended until February 13th, which is a Monday. In local housing tax credit news, as you may recall, the Department of Housing and Urban Development 
Designated Difficult Development Areas, or DDAs, for 2012 in October. HUD makes new DDA designations annually. Low-income housing tax credit projects in DDAs, or Qualified Census Tracts, or QCTs, are eligible for as much as 30% more housing tax credit subsidy than projects not located in DDAs or QCTs. In addition to announcing the 2012 DDA designations, HUD invited public comment on whether it should use small area fair market rents rather than metropolitan area fair market rents in future designations of metropolitan DDAs. It's believed that the result of this change would be more, but more targeted, DDAs. Comments on this proposal are being accepted through today, December 27th, and there are details in submitting comments in the October 27th Federal Register Notice. And if you have any questions about how this change could affect your housing tax credit properties, please contact Thomas Stagg in our San Francisco office. Turning to housing advocates' efforts on more rural funding, the National Council of State Housing Agencies recently joined other national, state, and local organizations in sending a letter to President Obama, along with USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack, urging them to propose fiscal year 2013 funding levels for rural housing programs. They wanted to propose those levels at their fiscal year 2011 levels or higher. They're concerned that the 2012 levels were lower and they want to go back to 2011 levels. The letter expressed the group's strong concerns over the administration's proposed cuts to rural housing programs that were in the 2012 budget. The letter specifically urges the administration to propose funding for the Section 515 Rural Rental Housing Program equal to the amount proposed in fiscal year 2012, emphasis on proposed in fiscal year 2012, and to include enough funding to develop new units. For more information on the letter and funding levels for four rural housing programs, I'd suggest that you refer to NCSJ's blog posting on November 18th. Now, with the holiday season in full swing, Seasonal hiring has boosted employment rates across the country, but these workers often struggle to afford housing in the communities they serve. This is according to a report from the Center for Housing Policy. The report is called, Can Holiday Season Workers Afford Housing in Your Community? To compile the report, the Center for Housing Policy used information from the Paycheck to Paycheck database. They compared the average wages of five common retail season occupations with housing costs in more than 200 metropolitan areas. Those five seasonal positions were mail carrier, stock clerk, delivery truck driver, retail salesperson, and assistant manager. In every location studied, the rent for a typical two-bedroom apartment was unaffordable for a person in the lowest paid holiday job, which is retail sales. The Center for Housing Policy report that this, they report that these workers can afford a one-bedroom apartment in only 16% of the metro areas. And to address this gap between wages for retail workers and housing costs, the report goes on to recommend that state and local governments institute policies that expand the supply of affordable housing, as well as to create higher-paying jobs. In historic tax credit news, last week, on December 22nd, law firm Miller and Chevalier filed an amicus brief in the historic Boardwalk Hall case. As regular listeners will recall, on October 27th, the Internal Revenue Service submitted its brief to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. The IRS is asking the court to reverse the tax court decision in the case of historic Boardwalk Hall. The IRS appeal 
was followed by the taxpayer's brief, which was filed on December 15th. The amicus brief, submitted last week, was filed on behalf of the National Trust for Historic Preservation and other historic preservation organizations. The amicus brief was shaped through consultation between Chevalier as well as other law firms that are active with the Historic Tax Credit Coalition. Those firms include Brian Cave, Squire Sanders, Kutek Rock, and Holland and Knight. The outcome of this appeal could have significant repercussions for the historic tax credit industry, and as such, we will be watching the case closely. The case involves a conservatively structured operating partnership in which the investor held a 99.99% interest throughout the five-year period following completion. Experts believe that the pending appeals court decision may answer the question that the IRS continues to pose in a number of circumstances. That is, whether traditional historic tax credit structures that rely on managing member guarantees, fixed priority returns, and standard put-and-call exit strategies that are used to attract limited partner capital, whether or not these structures can meet the requirements for characterization as a federal tax partnership. You can find a copy of the amicus brief online at www.historictaxcredits.com. And if you have any questions about the case or its implication for the historic tax credit community, I encourage you to contact my partner, Tom Bosha, in our Cleveland, Ohio office, or contact my partner, Charlie Ruda, in our Boston, Massachusetts office. Now, turning to the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management has released a revision to its National Programmatic Agreement with the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation and the National Council of State Historic Preservation Officers. The agreement governs the agency's activities on federal, state, and private lands that affect or may affect historic properties. The original programmatic agreement was signed in 1997. The revision was developed following outreach and consultation with Native American tribes. That outreach began in August of 2008. The Bureau of Land Management says the revision authorizes efficient consultation between itself and state historic preservation officers. The Advisory Council on Historic Preservation says the revised agreement enhances the role of tribal governments, consulting parties, and the public in the project review process. The revision also clarifies how the agency consults with tribes and other consulting parties on activities that could affect historic properties including those of traditional religious and cultural significance to tribes. The Bureau of Land Management anticipates signing the revised agreement in February 2012. The letter announcing the revision, the revised agreement, and comments about the agreement, along with responses, can be downloaded at www.blm.gov. In New Market Tax Credit news, earlier this month, the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs held an oversight hearing on tax policy on tribal lands. The December 8th hearing, titled Building New Markets in Indian Country, addressed state and federal tax incentive programs that could help tribes attract businesses to tribal lands, including the federal tax incentive program, the New Market Tax Credit. During the hearing, Kevin Lisi testified about the benefits of using the New Market Tax Credit on tribal lands. Lisi is chairman of the Boys Ford Band of Chippewa Indians. The Boys Ford Band used an allocation of new market tax credits to fund the rebuilding of its tribal governmental building after an arson fire destroyed it in 2009. Wells Fargo provided $3.7 million in new market tax credit authority to the tribe. In his testimony, Lisi said that the tribe 
could not have financed the reconstruction without the New Markets Program. He added that although the financial structure and program compliance guidelines are complex, the New Market Test Credit provided an affordable way to finance the project. In the end, the program fees amounted to less than 2% of the overall project costs. Finally, he said the New Market Test Credit Program reduced the borrowing costs for a project that many lenders considered high risk and lacking collateral because it was located on tribal trust land within the reservation. Lisi urged Congress to reauthorize the New Market Tax Credit, and he listed several reasons for his support of the program extension, including its successful use in Indian Country and the program's flexibility. The full text of Chairman Lisi's testimony and that of the other two witnesses can be found online at the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs website at indian.senate.gov. If you'd like to learn more about the New Market Tax Credit and learn more about New Market Tax Credit projects on tribal lands, I encourage you to pick up the January issue of the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits. It features a project on the Lakota Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. That's where the Ogallala Sioux are using the New Market Tax Credit to renovate two public schools. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report, as well as this year's series of podcasts. Please join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. It will also kick off the year 2012 for Tax Credit Tuesday podcasts. This is Michael Novogratik. I'll be back next year. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archive discussions are available online at www.novoco.com podcast or by subscribing to the Novogratik Report on tax credits in iTunes. Novogratik & Company, LLP, is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with 13 offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novogratik.com.